So, has everyone heard of the Upanishad? Upanishad. What's the Upanishads? What is it, sir? It's like a book, like Ramayana. So Upanishads um, is the highest spiritual knowledge known to man. Written maybe 10,000 years ago. Nobody knows who wrote it. So there are in total 228 Upanishads. And these contain the highest truths of life. From him, India, Himalayas, in that area. I mean, 10,000 years ago, there was no India, yeah. but in that region. Oh. So they contain the highest truths of life. Why do they contain the highest truths? Because they're the accounts of self-realized souls. So a person becomes self-realized, and then he's written that experience. And in there, they write not just the experience of self-realization, what it is to be self-realized, but they also explain the true meaning of the spirit we call God. Because they've experienced it, so they know what it is. So in the ashram, in three years, we study four of the Upanishads. And one of them is Isa Vasya Upanishad. I just wanted to share a mantra with you. I'm not going to read the mantra, but the explanation of a mantra. And in there, so this is written by a self-realized soul. In there it says, The human mission is to find spiritual enlightenment. Realize one's supreme self. Few are aware of this singular obligation in life. Everyone is involved in the affairs of the world. Everyone is lost in perception, action, emotion and thought. The mass of humanity is caught up in the quagmire of avidya, which means ignorance. With no vision of the ultimate goal of self-realization. This is the important bit. The rest of humanity is the misled spiritual practitioners who claim to follow vidya, knowledge. They are attached to, involved in the spiritual courses and have lost sight of their ultimate goal. Consequently, the entire human race gropes in utter darkness. It carries on, but we're not going to go into it. So, it's this darkness that ultimately this knowledge we are studying will help us to get out of. So that we can see the light. What is the light? Seeing things for what they are. Ultimately, these texts say the world is an illusion. 
That's the darkness. That due to our ignorance, we are caught up in this illusion. And all the scriptures are written to help take us out of the illusion and become one with the reality. I thought I would share this with you because it's a profound statement with a very deep meaning. I mean, we're not going to discuss it right now, but it is something for you to think about. Did everyone understand that? Said so the mass of humanity is involved in the world, basically. And the other half is involved in spirituality. But they're in deeper ignorance. Because unless whatever they're doing takes you to the goal of self-realization, it's meaningless. Does that make sense? So it's very interesting to think about. Questions? How do we know if we're going towards self-realization then? Because you're saying unless anything else that we do. So how can we gauge whether the effort we're putting in? Because I can't see it being easy. Well, there's a few markers. Are you less involved in the world? Are you less attached to the world? Are you become more unselfish? Are you less affected by the world? These are like markers that you can gauge upon. I mean, it's laid down in our scriptures. You know, you follow the three yogas, karma, bhakti, jnana. This reduces your desires. You become withdrawn from the world. You become contemplative. You become meditative. So these are the markers. Are you becoming that? Are you experiencing that? So these are the markers. It's clearly laid out. So those are the signs or the markers you can go by. Very subjective, though, isn't it? Absolutely. So, for example, I could I could have a situation where I'm totally detached, uninvolved, thinking of others before myself, and not agitated. You put me in another situation in the scenario, and I'm totally involved, very attached, totally selfish, and really agitated. It depends on the situation. You can't say. Because if I'm gauging all the time from one aspect, I'll be thinking, yeah, man, I'm nearly there. I, get, I see myself in another situation, I'm thinking, I'm never going to get there. That's the area you have to work in then, isn't it? <laughs> Where you're agitated is the area you need to put more effort in. It's not, about just, it's not just about agitation, though, is it? It's about the attachment and the involvement. Because there's three aspects that are really poignant. We're all attached to our children. If anything happens to any one of those close family members, you are affected. We're only discussing what it says in the scriptures. But what I'm saying is, is that that gauging then means that I am will always be attached. We're all attached. This is where we have to work on, isn't it? 
Total detachment. This is the marker. That's why it's difficult. You've just laid out why it's difficult. But it's not impossible. This is the point. Nothing comes easy. We have to put effort in. This is what they're saying. If it's that simple, then we'll all be there. But that's the effort. See, everything you've just said is the pull of the world. Yeah? And it's saying we're in, in illusion. So you're in that illusion. Your attachments, your involvements, everything is part of the illusion. So you can, another way you can say is, how much am I involved in this illusion? Everything you've said is part of the illusion. It's like you had a dream and you were attached to everything in the dream. You've woken up now. Are you still going to be attached? You're not. But in the dream you are. The dream was the illusion to the waker. But now you're awake. You understand it was an illusion. Similarly, self-realization makes you understand that this world is an illusion. Sorry? Less expectation, actually. Less? Expectations from others. See, this is all part of the development. <clears throat> Everything is part of the development. See, we can say anything that agitates you is in the world. Correct? Which we're saying is an illusion. So the spiritual knowledge allows you to detach from that illusion. This is what we're saying. Now, how much you detach depends on your effort. How you see the world. As he said, to see the world what it is, which is an illusion. But we're so caught up. Perceptions, actions, emotions, thoughts. This is who we are. Body, mind, intellect. We want to see lovely sights. We want to hear lovely sounds. We want to act. We want to go on holidays. This is all to do with the... Body, mind, isn't it? The mind wants it. Nothing wrong with it. But this is all part of the world. This is what we're saying. We're not saying don't go. So this is our development. This is what we're saying. So what the, these great souls are saying in the Upanishad is you're all caught up in this. This knowledge helps you to Observe it objectively from a different perspective. And then it's given you the exercises to do to be able to get out of it. Just like when you wake up from the dream, you understand that was a dream. You're not caught up in it anymore, are you? It's hard to imagine. I don't blame you. It is hard to imagine. I just wanted to share that with you to make you understand the depth of this knowledge, where it can take you, it can take you there. And this is the, the teachings of a person who's got there, which is the highest knowledge. That's why we're saying it's the highest knowledge, because it's the highest knowledge and it's the most difficult to understand because we're caught up in the world.
see, I put it in another, see if you can understand this. I put it in another sector. You're in a dream. If someone says to you in the dream, hey, you're not this person in the dream, you're actually Bhartiban. Yeah? You say, what are you talking about? I'm this person, whoever you are in the dream. No one can tell you that you're somebody else, because in the dream, you're somebody else. It's only when you wake up and you realize that. Does that make sense? So while you're involved in the dream, no one can take you out of it. Because you've reached a higher state. Waking state is higher than the dream state. See, in the waking state, you have your intellect available to you saying, hang on, this is real to you. In the dream, you don't have your intellect available. It's mainly just the mind. So it's only when you wake up to the higher state, you have the intellect available saying, that was just a dream. So the fourth state we're talking about So it's quite profound. So there's 228 of these verses. A lot of them are the same. We study four because that covers all the rest. It's, everyone's experience is the same now, but they say it in a different way. Where does faith in God's grace come into this then? Faith that what this person is saying, they've experienced it. I have faith that this person is saying that I'm caught up in this world and my role in life is to get out of it. You have to have faith, otherwise you wouldn't do it. And this is why we're studying this subject, for us to understand how the world functions, how we function, so that we can have that stronger faith to understand. For example, they say there's no happiness in the world. But if I say that to you, you're going to say, what are you talking about? I've just been on holiday, I had a great time. Huh? I was happy. But these masters are saying there's no happiness in the world. Now, you don't have faith in that until you experience it. And God's grace. What's God's grace? Describe God's grace. God's grace that you're here studying this high subject. Exactly. <clears throat> because of your past punya that you have done, that you are able to come to this and understand and take on this knowledge. That's God's grace. Is it, or is it my own cause and effect? It doesn't matter how you, how you decide what it is. But, you see, if, if you haven't done good in the past, then good things wouldn't happen to you. Yeah, cause and effect, we say. Whatever cause you put in, the effect will happen regardless. No one can change that. So the fact is that you can say it's God's grace that you, know, you are able to put in good causes to have this effect. So anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. So this is where we. This is the direction we're going. One day we'll get there.
No, he wasn't to scare you. No, but to have faith in the subject, for example. Yeah. You know? It's good that you do, because then we know that. You know this is the end goal, and this knowledge can take you there. Correct? Otherwise, you'll be thinking, where is this take? What's happening? What's, what's we, what are we doing? Where is, what's this teaching me? Yeah. So this is, this is what we're talking about. See, it's all there, but there's no one to make us understand, to teach us, because most people don't understand this knowledge. Um, and it's difficult. See, some people may understand it, but they don't know how to, uh, uh, how to teach it or how to explain it. So, recap, last few classes. So, so far we have been learning how we as a human being functions. Yeah. We've also been studying how the world functions. Why do we need to learn this? So, newcomers, um, this subject, as you just missed the beginning portion, this subject teaches us how to dissect us as a human being, how we function, what makes you tick. And then we dissect the world, how, what is the world? How does the world function? And if we have that understanding, then we can function better in the world. Yeah. So we've studied how human beings function and how the world function. Why do we need to learn this? Why do we have to learn how the world functions, how we function? Hmm? We're in the world. So we need to understand how to function. See, we, as we said, when we as a human being contact the world, you went on holiday, the result is an experience. Yeah? Now the experience can be positive or negative, good or bad. So by understanding how we function and the world functions, and by developing ourselves with higher knowledge, we can make the right contact with the world. And if we make the right contact, we get more positive experiences, good experiences, rather than negative. And what are we all looking for? Happiness. Positive good experience results in happiness. That's what everyone's looking for. Morning you wake up till night, you're looking for good experiences, aren't you? And if you don't get a good experience, it's because you're not contacting the world properly. Yeah, so that's why we have to understand. So now knowing this, who is ultimately in control of being happy or unhappy? Deepa. It's not Kirk's fault, yeah? <laughs> wrong contact, wrong assessment. If, if we are unhappy, it is because we have not understood and made the correct contact. We need to learn more of these truths of life and apply them to our lives. This is what we're doing here. We as a human can be permanently happy. We need to develop ourselves. So we can accept the world the way it is and not the way we want it to be. This is the problem. 
The world is not going to change for you, but you can change for the world. And this will bring you the peace and happiness. And this is exactly what we're doing here. We're taking on this higher knowledge, applying it to ourselves, developing ourselves, and then contacting the world so we derive happiness. Correct? And people who've been coming for a long time, they, they may or may have not seen an increase in their well-being. So every human being is different. Why is he different? Different vasanas. Everyone's born with a, a nature. Vasanas, we call them in Sanskrit, vasanas. They're all, based, they're all born with a particular nature. So everyone's vasanas are different, therefore everyone's nature is different. This is a fundamental truth of life. If you just understand this and function, you're already much more happier. Since you're able to relate with your partner, children, siblings, work colleagues, much better. Correct? Just apply that one line. You're already less agitated and more happier. Everyone is acting on their nature. Bad person doesn't know he's bad. He's just acting on his nature. It's only because you're good you understand he's bad. And a human being is made up of, just for the newcomers, what is a human? Louder. Louder. Body, mind, and intellect. And the spirit. So everybody's made, human beings, physical body, the mind, the intellect, buddhi, and God, the spirit, self. And we say the spirit functions in everybody like electricity functions in gadgets. All gadgets are different, but without electricity, they're useless. Similarly, all human beings are different, but without that spirit, you're nothing. It's the enlivening factor within you. So, we all know this body, mind, and body, we all know this body and mind. But what is this intellect? This is what this book is talking about, Fall of the Human Intellect. What is this intellect? What is this intellect? It's what guides the mind. Which guides the mind. Which guides the mind, which then guides the body, actions. If you don't have a buddhi, if you don't have an intellect, the mind guides the body. All actions are governed by the mind. And the mind is full of? Likes and dislikes. Likes and dislikes. I like this, I don't like that. So you'll only do what you like, even though it might be bad for you. Emotions. You act on your emotions. No thinking. Once again, detrimental. So we need to develop this buddhi, this intellect. But unless we develop it, we don't have the full use of its capacity, its ability. We all have it. It's the buddhi, the intellect, that reasons and judges, thinks and decides the right course of action for us. Mind says, I want to do this. The intellect comes in and says, you know what, that's a dodgy one, I better not. 
Mine says, no, I want to do it. I've set a goal for waking up every morning at five o'clock so I can study. It's five o'clock, alarm goes, and mine says, another hour, not today, tomorrow I'll do it. <laughs> Intellect has to kick in and say, you know what, I made, this, I made this decision yesterday that I will wake up at five. Why am I being stopped? You made that decision. And who's stopping you? The mind. Which is part of you. So who's stronger? So this is the battle here now. So that's why we need to develop. Otherwise the mind will take over. And it'll do everything that it does. That you, you've, all the goals that you've set, it doesn't want to do it. So if we don't develop our intellect, we operate from the mind. Emotions, feelings. You know what? I feel like having a line today. I think I'll phone in sick work. I'll stay at home today. The sun's shining. It's the mind. So it may not lead us to the right course of action. In the last class, we discussed the difference between intelligence and intellect. Can anyone explain the difference? Intelligence and intellect. Yeah. Intellect, more higher thinking. More higher thinking. Intelligence is what we gain from books, teachers. It's just knowledge. Intellect is what is within you. You have to develop that. No amount of knowledge will develop that unless you go through a particular process. So from books, external sources, Wikipedia, Google, that's all knowledge. It gives you intelligence. So can we all agree that the intellect is not intelligence? Yeah, we're all clear of that. Yeah. Okay. So no matter how much intelligence you have, you still need an intellect to conduct your life. You know that, for example, you have knowledge if I eat too much fried food, fatty food, that I will be sick. Correct? But we're not able to do that. Why? Because you have the knowledge, but not the wisdom to understand that this is bad for me. This is the difference. Because if I had wisdom, you'd say, you know what? I'm not eating that. It's bad for my health. But because you don't have the wisdom and only knowledge, you carry on. That's the difference. You know smoking is bad. It says on a packet, smoking kills. You don't have the wisdom yet that it can kill you. So you carry on smoking. What does it say? Oh, kills. Okay, it doesn't matter. You have the knowledge, but not the wisdom. So how do we develop this intellect, we said? Anyone? Study what we're studying. Fair enough, yeah. Higher knowledge. Question everything. <coughs> Don't take anything for granted. Doesn't matter who says it. Doesn't matter how many people are following it. Pass it through your own logic and reason. If it makes sense to you, then follow it. Study higher knowledge like the scriptures, which gives you the truths of life. Preferably between 4 and 6 a.m. Why? We'll talk about it further down in the class today. Self-reflection before going to bed. We discussed in that last class. Yeah. 
you do that, whatever intellect you have available to you, whatever intellect you have now, you have that available to you. You start using the intellect that you have. Self-reflection in the light. Everyone knows how to do that, right? We all have a certain amount of intellect. Otherwise, we would be mad. Person who is regarded as mad, clinically mad, is a person with no intellect. He's operating clearly only 100% from the mind. That is a mad person. He can't think, reason, nothing. He doesn't know good, bad. That's a mad person. But we all have a percentage of intellect. So we need to develop that. It's different for different people. Is this action from the mind or is it from the intellect? Any decision you make. Is this from my likes and dislikes, my emotions? Or have I thought about it, reasoned, and now I'm going to make this action? That's how you can tell the difference between is it, is it happening from the mind or is it happening from the intellect? Think, pause. Am I acting from the mind or am I acting from the intellect? Just by even doing that, you'll, you'll be surprised. So, chapter 7, we're on. Why? It's called the bane of the educational system, yeah? So, why don't we have a developed intellect? This is the question now. We all have it. We all have an intellect, we've said. But why don't we have a developed intellect? What's gone wrong? This, this chapter talks about what's gone wrong. We've all been to school, college, University. So this chapter talks about the flaws in the current education system. Why are we coming out of these educational establishments with an undeveloped intellect? Don't really need the book. Why do you think? Anybody? We all come from school, college, university. We're all educated people. Why are we still devoid of uh, developed intellect? Perfect, Drishnavin. Perfect. Can you repeat that for everyone, please? Perfect. The current education system is responsible for the demise of the intellect. This is due to the educators themselves lacking true education, meaning no intellect. We need to examine the current system, redefine, correct it without upsetting it. It's causing so much problems in the world. In fact, they say, it could be responsible for the demise of the human race. It's a profound statement. How can it destroy the human race, we might think, this current education system? Because no one is thinking globally about all humanity. It's all selfishness. Hence, countries keep fighting. Nuclear war can destroy the whole of humanity. So it's the education establishments itself is the cause of this problem. We're going to go into detail why. Because, you know, we're talking about intellect here, developing intellect. And you're thinking, well, if I've got this, why, is not why are we not being developed as we're growing up? Why isn't the schools developing it? 
So we're now discussing and coming to the conclusion why we don't have an intellect, even though we've gone through the education system. So this way then you'll understand. So to educate, educate is a Latin word. It means to draw out. Everyone, educate means to draw out. The proper way to educate is to draw the knowledge out of the student. But the current education establishment is doing the opposite. It's not following this principle. Instead, they're pushing the knowledge in. All derived from external sources. This form of education lasts only for a short while. The proper way to educate a student is to allow them to reflect on the knowledge, think about it, using their intellect. Then that develops the intellect. But we don't have that provision. Should allow the student to question, have Q&A session, question and answer sessions, so that the student thinks about it and he, he comes up with the answer. Not just parrot fashion, reading it night before and it's just knowledge. There's a quote. It's American writer Alvin Toffler. The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. What he's saying is we have learnt, but in the wrong way. So we have to unlearn that and relearn it, which is what we're doing, so that we can develop the intellect. So what I'm saying is the current education system is not helping us. Why isn't it helping us? What's gone wrong? Liberal and servile education. This is what we're talking about. This is a bit dry, this topic, by the way, but we'll try and make it interesting and understand it, yeah? So there's a person, J. Cardinal Newman. He wrote a book called The Idea of a University in the 19th century. So there's two forms of education, liberal and servile. Yeah? Right and wrong. Right now, everybody in this education system is all servile education. So the reason I'm quoting this person, Cardinal Newman, is to make you understand that this intellect we're talking about is not something made up in the scriptures. This is in the Western world as well. So what's the difference? Servile and liberal education. Anyone? Servile or liberal education. Servile education is when you learn and use the knowledge specifically for the purpose of monetary gain. Remember we said we learn a subject and then we have knowledge of this subject and we barter the knowledge of this subject in the world. You are a doctor. You study medicine, you became a doctor. You practice in the hospital, you earn money. Your car's gone wrong. You then go to the mechanic, you give him some of the money. He has knowledge of mechanics. He repairs your car. He has knowledge of mechanics. You have a problem at home, you call an electrician. He has knowledge of electricity. He comes home. So we're all trading. 
whatever knowledge we have learned, we are now trading in the world with that, with people who have a knowledge. So this is servile education. This is the kind of education we have at the moment. The education for the sake of utility value. This is where it's gone wrong. This is what they're saying, it's, this way it's gone wrong. Monetary gain. You know, 20 years ago, everybody wanted to do computer engineering. Why? Lots of money. Computer engineer, they're paying a lot of money. We have so many computer engineers, now the wages is hardly anything. There's a void. Everyone wants to do computer. Now it's finance. So people are studying, going into the area where it pays the most money. That's what people are studying. Correct? We all agree? We all have children. We all know what we're talking about. Liberal education is the learning of a particular subject purely for the sake of learning. I like literature. Let me study literature. Without thinking, how much money is it going to make me? This is liberal education. You're not, edu you're not studying for the bartering with the gained knowledge. So you can transact. You may be a poor person. <laughs> yeah, you may not get the right job. <laughs> but you're studying for the studying sake. Because you're interested in that. Now that's what helps you grow your intellect. The learning itself is the goal and reason for the knowledge, because I want to learn about this subject. Not because when, if I learn this subject, I'll get a job like this and it'll pay me 50 grand a year. That's not why you're studying this subject. So this form of education ultimately will help develop the intellect, which in education terms, according to Newman, is intellectual excellence. But the problem is, Governments, society, give more value to servile education. It is useful in business, because in the end, you make money. It helps the country's bottom line. In fact, they don't give grants if you want to study something that doesn't end up in a job. So this is where it's all gone wrong. This is what we're talking about. So that's why we have many people with intelligence, but very few people with an intellect. We're not criticizing, we're only trying to understand where it's gone wrong. Is everyone with me? Liberal education is regarded as dated and of no real value. So funding is only given to higher education if there's a void in society for that job role. Okay, we need more plumbers. Okay, we'll fund the plumbing. Nursing. We need more nursing. Let's give some funding to create more nurses. So, a quote from Oscar Wilde. What happens? The man, he says, what happens is the man knowing the price of everything and the value of nothing. That's what civil education gives it. The result of servile education. You have a man knowing the price of everything, but the value of nothing.
Unknown to society is the long-term danger of servile education. We now have a choice between stability of liberal education based on reason and logic or to carry on with the groundless servile education. The choice will determine the path of human beings. Either back to common sense or to continue with the madness of destruction and terrorism. So this is where it's all gone wrong. It's no one's fault. That's how it's become. Any questions on that? Does that, does that clarify why we need to develop our own intellect? Because we don't teach us at school to develop because of this reason. So that's why it's important. So the next topic is knowledge versus wisdom. It's going into a bit more detail. Knowledge is taken from external sources, as we said, and it allows one to be informed in a particular subject. You become a person with plenty of information. Unfortunately, this knowledge is not something one can live their life by unless it is converted to wisdom. What does this mean? We already discussed it, but what does it mean? You can't live your life by it. And we already gave this example. You're a doctor, medical doctor, cardiac doctor. You understand smoking clogs your arteries, but you still smoke. True? It doesn't convert into wisdom. He's a brilliant cardiologist. We all know right from wrong, but we still do not make the right choices in life. Why is this? We said we need wisdom. Wisdom to guide us. So we need to convert whatever knowledge we have to wisdom. One must reflect upon the knowledge. Manana, we said already, over and over until it is absorbed. This brings about an internal change within you. Once you reflect on this knowledge, it changes you from inside, and then you live by that knowledge. Until then, it's just knowledge. Knowledge metamorphoses into wisdom through reflection, by thinking. See, even this Sunday class you come, you have this knowledge. Unless you reflect and think about it, which only you can do, you have the knowledge, you can have conversations with people. You know what we studied today? This is what I learned. Can you apply it though? For that, you need to reflect, think about it, study, preferably in the morning. And that then becomes wisdom. Then you start living by it. This is the difference. Until now, Whatever we study is knowledge. Only you can convert it into wisdom. Well, the effort you have to put in. It's like you see a program on TV about how to get fit. It teaches everything that you do. Wake up in the morning, you must jog for five minutes. You then must do this for five minutes. Then control your eating habits. 
you know, try this for 10 days and see the difference. And you now understand, this is what I need to do. When will you do it? You can even tell your friends at work, you know, this is how you lose weight. And they think, wow, this person knows. Only when you reflect on it, okay, I need to lose it. This is teaching me how to. Now, how can I apply it? You think about it. Okay, this is the plan I'm going to make. That's the intellect coming in. This is the plan I'm going to make. I'm going to start tomorrow. Try it out for two weeks. See if it makes a difference. Now it's become wisdom. You're acting on it. Until then, you can tell everyone how it's done. Difference between knowledge and wisdom. So educators currently don't realize the role of reflection. You know, we've all been through the education system. There's no reflection involved. It's just knowledge. So there's no provision for this in education establishments, for the students to make the knowledge their own. So we have to do it ourselves now. We have the opportunity. It's not too late. We can still do it. This is what we're studying. Any questions? So the world is oblivious to the difference between intelligence, the storage of knowledge, derived from external sources, and the development of the intellect, which allows one to think, reason, and judge. Educational establishment do not realize the importance of the intellect and its development, and therefore only provide knowledge. The world must understand the significance and make amends to the current education system to rectify this. I mean, it's not going to happen, but we're just discussing where it's gone wrong. Another quote, Albert Einstein. We cannot solve our deep problems with the same thinking that brought us these problems. I think he makes it quite clear. <laughs> we cannot solve our deep problems with the same thinking that brought us these problems. Which is what's happening. That's him, Albert Einstein, the greatest mind saying. These are all short topics. The next topic, Swadharma and Paradharma. We talked about Vasanas, no? Okay, this is all new to, is everyone, anyone heard of this? I don't know how much detail to go into. Swadharma and Paradharma. Doesn't everyone, anyone? Okay. So, it's important that the student makes the right choice in the... We're talking about intellect here, yeah? How to develop the intellect. So, it's important that students make the right choice in the subject of his education. How should one decide on what subject to take to study? Like someone's good in math, someone's good in English. So, they can choose the right subjects for them. Based because on why it's there? Swadharma. swadharma means? Okay, so what is Swadharma? Anyone know what Swadharma means? Something that is um, positive based on your nature. Paradharma is alien to your nature. Sunil, you're an accountant. You're Swadharma. You're good at it, you enjoy it. I say, okay, from tomorrow I want you to be a plumber. 
thing, what? You're, you're an accountant for the biggest firm in the, in the country. And you find it enjoyable and easy. And tomorrow, say you have to be a plumber. Paradharmic activity for you. This guy has no education, and he's a plumber. And he's good at it. You have to call him to sort out your heating system. He doesn't even know how to read and write. That's his Swadharma. For you, plumbing is paradigmatic. Against your nature. You see the difference? Now, here's my brother. My father said, you have to be a plumber when you are young. Forget this accountancy. There's a, right now, the plumbing job ha pays the most money, so I want you to be a plumber. You reluctantly listen to your father, our father, and learn to be a plumber. But you find it difficult to do plumbing. You find it hard. Even though you've now become a plumber, you find it difficult to, to do it. You don't even want to get out of bed to go to do plumbing because you hate it. Because it's paradigmatic activity for you. You've done it because you've been forced to do it, even though you don't enjoy doing it. It may pay the most money but you hate coming out of bed to do it because it's paradigmatic to your nature. Is that, just trying to explain the difference. So it's important that whatever you decide is to your swadharma. You, it'll be easier for you to do that activity. You'll enjoy doing that activity and you'll be happy, that's why. So one must make their choice based on one's inherent nature, vasanas. Each human being has a different nature, we said, which makes up his individuality. For a young person has a distinctive interest towards a certain subject, medicine, engineering, etc. These tendencies are regarded as swadharma, his own nature. If he goes towards something different, this is alien to his nature, then it is regarded as paradharma. If a, if a person follows his Svadharma, then it helps him become more successful and have a better life. If he chooses to follow a paradharmic activity, it will make it more difficult to be happy in that field. People don't realize this fact and make a mistake by choosing a paradharmic course. Parents push their children to certain fields like their own business without considering their child's nature. This creates issues in the future where one may suffer from lack of interest in that field leading to stagnation. See, there's no point doing something you don't enjoy. If you do something you enjoy, you'll be good at it. You'll enjoy it, you'll be better at it, you'll be more happier. So parents and educators must play their role and recognize the child's nature. Encourage students to follow the Swadharma early on, recommending them to follow that route. So there's a story, Swamiji tells us, in India, there's this famous doctor. He has a son, only son. So this doctor has, has made a big hospital. He's told his son, you need to become a doctor. Son is interested in mechanical engineering, fixing cars and things like that. He doesn't doesn't like medicine. So his dad says to him, look son, I made this hospital for you. If you don't become a doctor, who's gonna run this hospital? So reluctantly, 
son listens to his father. In India, you know, kids listen to their parents. He studied to become a doctor. He failed the first time, failed the second time, but he still managed to pass. And then his dad said, son, you need to take over now. So his son is now there working in the hospital, but his mind is not on that. So he says, he's doing an operation, and someone says, oh, the ambulance isn't working properly. He'll drop the ambulance and go and fix the ambulance. Because <laughs> he enjoys that. So you take over, I'll go and fix the ambulance. So this is the difference. So we have to go by what is this child interested in and then try and encourage him to do that. Study time. So this is all to do with intellect. You know, why we don't have an intellect, what to do to develop. We're just discussing that. So when is the best time to study? We said already, four to six. This is the most conducive time to do any studying Reflection thinking, doesn't matter what you're studying. Why is it between four and six? Hmm? Intellect's, more Intellect's more available, okay. Sattvic time. time, has any, everyone heard of that term, sattvic time? So every human being, we said everyone's made of their own vasanas, every or their own, own nature, correct? So everyone is made up of the three temperaments, personalities, nature, tamas, rajas, and sattva. So everyone is made up of those three temperaments. Your vasanas are such, but within that, you have these three temperaments, tamas, rajas, sattva, all in different proportions. So what is tamas, rajas, and sattva? Anybody know? Okay, let me define what they are, and then we can go into detail. Tamas is a person who is lethargic, lazy, devoid of intellectual or emotional tendencies. One who is tamas lives a dull, inactive life, with very little response to the world. This nature surfaces between 6 p.m. and 4 a.m., from six o'clock in the evening to four o'clock in the morning, whatever tamas you have in within you surfaces. Everyone with me? Rajas. This is one who is in a state of agitated thoughts, passionate. He's always worrying, rushing. He has desire-ridden activities. Is attached, involved in the affairs of the world. This nature surfaces in everyone between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. That's why we, well, I'll go in detail after on the third one. The last one is sattva. This is a person that is balanced, poised, objective. His mental state is of calmness. He is detached from the attachment and involved, involvement in the world. This nature surfaces in one between 4 and 6 a.m. So whatever sattva you have, it's available between 4 and 6 a.m. That's why it's important to study at that time. From 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. is rajas time. 
whatever activities you want to do, work, this, that, it happens between them. In fact, if you sit down to study every day, four to six, come six o'clock, trust me, this is happens, yeah? Six, 6.30, your mind starts thinking of work. Automatically, even though you want to study, your mind starts thinking of work automatically. That nature just manifests. What do I need to do today? Yes, I have to send this email to this person, that person, and you're still studying, but automatically it just comes up. That's why we work till 5.30, 6 p.m., because after that, Thomas, <laughs> people can't think of work. The tamas manifests. So everyone is made up of these three in different proportions. Deepa, you might be 30% sattvic, 50% rajasic, 20% tamas. That might be your proportion. Sandhya, your proportion may be different. Dina, your proportion may be different. But whatever proportion you have of sattva, that manifests between 4 and 6. Whatever proportion of rajas you have manifests between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. And whatever tamas you have manifests after 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. This is a law in everybody, whoever they are. Each human being is made up of these three temperaments. The different proportion of each makes up the different diversity of humans. This is a law pervading to all humans. These temperaments affect human behavior in the following way. So, example, Thomas, after 6 p.m., what do we do? Huh? Eat what tilly. You don't want to... Partner says, going, oh, I'm tired, I'm just going to watch TV and sit here. Thomas? Las Vegas, in the evening, it's like packed. <laughs> they know, the, even the hotels know. Thomas, 6 p.m., everything we must try and do after 6 p.m. All the bars, everything is open. Drinking, gambling, sensual activities. You give an alcoholic drink at 5 o'clock in the morning, he'll say, you know what, not now. <laughs> Satvik time. Whatever percent of Satvik he has manifests then. He knows that I can't drink. He doesn't know that, but he'll say, not now. Even in Vegas, after 4 o'clock, everyone's gone to sleep. <laughs> so... Thomas, 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. Rajas manifests in the day. The more the proportion of rajas, the more agitated one is. His day consists of frenzied activity. I must do this, I must do that, I must get that done. Do this, everything. You're running around in circles. Frenzied activity. Sattva manifests in one in the morning. He's more objective. Thoughtful, composed. If the level of sattva is high, then one would be forced to be out of bed by 4 a.m. <laughs> Sattvic temperament is conducive for learning and studying. Therefore, it would be beneficial to perform these activities during sattvic time, 4 to 6 a.m. for maximum results. 
This is the only way to encourage proper education and must be introduced gradually. See, these masters in Himalayas thousands of years ago, see what we're studying now, they already they meditated in a cave and dissected everything of how a human being is. See, science has gone outside. What is this world? How can we make it better? Gadgets, computers, this, that. That's what scientists have done. But these great souls are scientists of a human being. They spent time to meditate and think, how does, do I function? And understood all this. Even the West, they don't know all these things. They may be practicing it, but he doesn't know why he's doing it. So these guys said, look, this is why. Sattva, four to six. Anything, any work you want doing, if you do it between that time, you'll not only do it properly, clearly, you'll do it twice as fast. You have to try it. After that, it takes twice as long. Anyone tried it, Sandhya? Woman of experience? You've experienced that? It just comes to you. It's just so clear. In fact, all these classes that I prepare, if I didn't do it between four and six, it wouldn't be clear. Uh, uh, you know, it won't be so clear to you. It has to be done that time. Otherwise, it's not worth listening to. So. Let me just finish. It's just last top chapter. A liberal education for students in maths, science, classical literature, Vedanta philosophy would allow them to develop the intellect. It's like a foundation to whatever they want to specifically study. Educators need to make sure that all students have a certain level of knowledge in these subjects without jeopardizing their Swadharma subjects. So if you have this as a foundation, then you can do anything you want. You'll be good at it. It's not too late for us either, by the way. You know, don't think, well, I'm over 40 now, so. No. You only stop learning when it's your end. Until then, you carry on learning, developing. Swamiji, went to Swamiji yesterday. He's 90, 92. He's got a lecture. Still, he, just, he just brought out a new book. He wrote last year, at 92. So you, you don't, you don't, you never stop learning. This is what we're saying. Continue developing. So, you had a question. So, looking at these timings, it's almost like those it's almost heading for a fall before, because two hours of a 24-hour clock, we've got 12 hours of Rajas time and 10 hours of Dhamma's time. That's 22 hours. We really have only two hours left. I mean... Two hours is enough for you to control the rest of the 22 hours. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> if you put the effort in for two hours, trust me, those 22 hours... 
it's the quality, exactly. It's the quality of the time. So if we're all born with proportion of sattva, rajas and tamas, there's that aspect going against us. Then we've got 22 hours going against us. What do we have going for us? Sattva. <laughs> no, but my proportion is more... If I'm tamasic and I'm more active all the time and you know, agitated and whatnot, that is already going to go against me to try and find that sattva time. But what you have is the capacity to change all of that for yourself and your own spiritual development. You have the capacity within you to change that. Yes, but... It's not hard and fast, that it's just amount of this time. If you concentrate on your sattvic time, as Andy says, that will filter throughout your whole day. It will change your proportion of your gunas in your personality, and that's what will bring about your development. So even if I had ten percent sattva and ninety percent of not the other things, you it's, you've got ten percent to start with. You understand through your self-analysis that you've got ten percent now, yeah. But you work on it in the sattvic time. You increase your sattvic proportion as you develop, and your rajas and your 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 tamas will then subside. These timings are just like a, a vague idea, you see? And how do I gauge whether I am more sattvic? You'll just know it yourself as you develop. You're in more and control. Being in the class, you become less involved with the world, less attached, um, you know, more... Less objective. agitated. <laughs> yeah. Back to the beginning. Less agitated. How am I going? Now you know, you see, you, you asked the question, we've answered it you in detail. We've answered it in detail for you. This class was just for you. <laughs> the scenario again, isn't it? Okay. You might be less agitated in one situation yeah. and less attached in one situation. But, but as you develop... The two hours that you've used in the morning will also give you benefit. So there's two... take a lot of pressure already off you. There's two words I'm going to use. No one's going to like it. <laughs> Self-effort. <laughs> you have to put in that effort yourself. Whatever percentage of sattva you have, make use of it. And then question. If it doesn't work, then you say, why isn't it working? First you need to put the effort in. Can I just ask something, Shita? When you was at the academy, you were following a program. Initially, was quite difficult and then as you developed as the months went by it was a lot easier wasn't it 100%. yeah okay you're probably finding now that you're back home so to speak home inverted commas that because of the pull of everything here now that is what's causing you the education you understand in that environment it was far more conditioned the, yeah, all you've got to do is really just try and keep as much as possible. As you develop, you'll stick to that regime. See, what Kirk is also saying is the intellect. See, as you study in the morning, you're developing that, that buddhi, that reasoning factor within you. So that's available to you during the day, during rajasic and tamasic time. For example, tamasic time comes, you know, 6 p.m., okay, it's tamas time. You studied in the morning, your intellect's available to you, whatever percentage. You know what, 
nine o'clock I better go to bed because after that you know what happens I'll be sitting there watching TV doing this doing that everything which I'll regret the next morning let me just go back see the goal is to reduce that tamasic time see when you wake up early you're actually reducing your tamasic time as well because you're going to go to bed early so you're reducing that tamas you go to bed at midnight you ain't going to get up at 4 o'clock. You're going to get up at 8 o'clock. What are you doing? You're increasing your tamasic time and reducing your sattvic time, which is what you need. Everything should be geared up during the day so that it allows you to wake up at 4 or 5 o'clock, not the other way around. So you have to go to bed early. You can't light the candle at both ends. You have to go to bed early in order to be able to get up. This is the self-effort. But you won't understand until you've experienced it. This is the issue. Until you try it and see how it affects your day in a positive way, you won't understand the benefits of it. So this is where the self-effort comes in. It's only knowledge. Sattva time is four to six. You have to convert that into wisdom by trying it. Try for a week. Four is difficult. Uh, in fact, in the ashram, we wake up at four. But in India, afternoon, they have a nap. So here, they say five and six. One hour is more. You know what? If you can study for 15 minutes, you're doing really well. Because that level of concentration um, takes time. Even if you did 15 minutes. Quarter to six, okay. 5.45, you study for 15 minutes. Everyone can do that. Forget four to... 5.30. Quarter to six to six. Fifteen minutes, you just sit down and study. See the effect that has. Bring it down to small portions. Then if you see the positive effect of that, you might think, well, fifteen minutes I did in the morning and this is the effect it's had on my day. What if I do more? What will happen? But only you can make that decision. Only you have to try it. Try 15 minutes. See how agitated your mind is. <laughs> then you understand. You're not used to it, thinking. The amount of thinking, as I said, in this class that we have to do, you don't do that much thinking in a whole day. It takes effort. And that's why we have this podcast now, so that you can uh, listen to it again. Because yeah. we're not used to it, so we switch off after a while. Any general questions? Is he happy doing it? Does he enjoy doing it? <laughs> then his paradigmic activity. He has to do what he, he enjoys. He likes to draw and paint. He's saying, well, where's that going to take you? Study this subject instead. So he enjoys... See, this is the issue here. Because we value 
a certain type of education that will then give him a job and earn money. And that's just what we value. And the whole society thinks in this way. This is the issue. And even the students are in competition with each other. You know, this is the problem. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. We're just discussing it. But this is where they're saying the reason is people with, what was that quote? Uh, value of nothing. They have, they know all the answers. Price of everything but value of nothing. Because they don't have that intellect in them to think and reason. How do I conduct my life? What's right? How do I deal with my partner? How do I deal with my siblings? How do I talk to my parents? How do I, I have, a, how do you analyze yourself? I have a short temper, you know, I keep being angry. How can I work on that? It's causing me so much trouble. Everyone thinks they're perfect. It's, you made me angry. Isn't it? No one looks at themselves and thinks, maybe it's my fault. For this, we need intellect. None of us are perfect. It's easier to blame others. For that, we need knowledge to understand how we function. How can I develop myself? As we said in the beginning, any issues, it's your fault. No one else's fault. Can't blame anyone but yourself. But our ego doesn't allow us to. This is the problem. But this is development, you know, this is what we're studying here, to learn, to become more humble, develop humility. This is what we need. This is what the scriptures will teach us. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.